Welcome to season two of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary, and I'm here to convince my friend Teach that Melrose Place is a trashy, trashy soap opera, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, I'm Teach. I'm here to convince my good friend Mary that this show counts as high art for the generations, a time capsule into the future, and the future is now. The future is indeed now. And you know what's great is this is not a recap podcast because we're too busy having all these intellectual debates. Yes, we highly recommend that you pair us with your rewatch of Melrose Place. It will um, enhance the artistic integrity of the show. Mm, I guess that's one way to put it. You know, I can't believe we've made it to season two already. How far along are we in the grand scheme of things? Uh, we're about uh, 11%. That seems lower than I would like. Well, there's the seven seasons, plus the reboot season. Oh, God. Uh, this season had the lowest number of episodes. I guess that's forward to. And we only had five special episodes in season one, so season two is going to get longer. Oh, boy. Buckle up. Hello, and welcome to the Melrose Placecast. Today, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 15, called Under the Mistletoe. I'm Mary. Oh, and I'm TJ Mary. It's a Melrose Christmas here in October. <laughs> oh, is that when it is? <laughs> it's October right now, yes. And Mary, it's Episode 15, so you know what that means. What does it mean? I would like to introduce you to our special expert guests. Oh, all right. This is exciting. I would... I would like to, but I can't. Uh, there was a last-minute scheduling conflict that got in the way, allegedly. But let me tell you about who our guests were lined up to be. Are you ready? Sure. Mary, this was going to be the next big, huge crossover podcast. Oh, wow. We had tentatively confirmed um, Gretchen and James, the co-host of Who's Piloting This Podcast?, Oh. I came across Gretchen and James searching for new Melrose Place podcasts. There aren't any new ones. Um, but I found them. They had done an episode on Melrose Place. So the, the whole concept of their podcast is they watch only the pilot episode of a show and then discuss it. Oh, cool. Okay. And, and they drink beer. Well, that sounds like a good idea. So I found the Melrose Place one. And I was like, this is pretty cool. I wonder what else is out there. They, the week before, they had done Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, one of the first ones they did was Golden Girls. Um, and then I couldn't find much anymore. And I realized, Mary, Melrose Place was the last one they ever did. Oh, it, it killed them. <laughs> it killed well, their will to podcast. It does do that. <laughs> and I, I think that may have been what ran them away from it. They may have come halfway through this episode and uh, bailed. <laughs> so it's just us, Mary. Well, that's okay. I mean, I don't want anyone to go through this that doesn't really want to go through it. And <laughs> you know, uh, maybe maybe they'll they'll come back someday and they'll they'll say, "Oh, gosh, we just can't wait to watch more more Melrose Place." <laughs> I th I think maybe the episode with uh, Kimberly with the wig reveal. But either way, Gretchen and James, if you're listening, chances are not based on my analytics. But whatever, if you're listening, <laughs> open invitation. Yes, of course. Anytime, anytime. So, Mary, it's just the two of us. Can I, uh, can I give you the preview of of the sickening rhetoric coming your way? I mean, I guess, sure. Okay. <laughs> the first uh, argument is captured by the quote: "Where'd you go to nursing school, Guantanamo?" 
Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Followed by another argument will be we should do something decadent and flattening. I'm sorry. <laughs> decadent and fattening, the opposite of flattening. Can I <laughs> can I start the quote over? Sure. We should do something decadent and fattening. Drown our sorrows in eggnog. Ugh. Our- and finally, you're my best friend, Matt. Aww. Yeah. I know where that's going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to Russia. Oh. Okay. Well, let me let me let me get this get this party started since it's just the two of us. Let's let's get it over with. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I would like to talk about Michael uh, asking his nurse where she went to nursing school. Was it Guantanamo? <laughs> setting the setting the scene. Of course, Michael is apparently paralyzed. Something that escaped my attention for several episodes Somehow. and <laughs> i knew he was hurt i didn't know we were going with paralyzed whatever so he's staying with uh the very good jane his wife ex-wife and jane is trying to set clear boundaries that michael can't just uh, walk all over her oh boy <laughs> okay you can accuse me of being politically incorrect all you want but you said whores giving so i think i win anyway <laughs> <laughs> so Michael is getting to the um, uh, self-depreciating, no, not self-depreciating. He's, he's hating himself right now. He's mad at himself and he's feeling really sorry for himself. He said specifically, he's half a man and that's not a life, that's a joke. And you start to feel sorry for Michael. Mm-hmm. So Jane wants to take care of him, but Jane needs to set her own boundaries. So she hires Michael, a nurse, who is it? Is it the type of sexy nurse he set Billy up with? Uh, that was a joke, by the way. Uh, no, it's our good friend Colleen, who does not look like a Colleen at all. Uh, Mary, how would you describe Nurse Colleen? Um, I would say that she's uh, she's a tall woman. She mm-hmm, must. Mm-hmm. I feel like she can move a patient around. Mm. Um, yeah, kind of. I think her hair—it's like red hair. I can't remember if it was permed, but it's sort of like short and curly looking. And mm-hmm, my. Mm-hmm part about Colleen is that she is played by the same actress who played Norma Bates on Passions the Soap Opera, which I watched in college. And I love her. <laughs> I was very excited to be here. <laughs> I was so confused because I watched all of Bates Motel and I was like, oh no, this is a different person. No, she's the original Norma Bates. As far as anyway, she comes and she is bringing tough love to Michael. She said, said specifically, you think you're the only person who's ever been handicapped. And she really just kind of puts it to him. Michael tries to fire her and Colleen laughs. Um, anyway, Colleen, in the, in the span of one episode, brings Michael out of his funk, accepts his fate as a, a person in a chair. Um, but before he gets there, Colleen's delivering the tough love. And she says, if, if that smell is what I think it is, you need a shower. she's not being too kind to michael in his mind um and so he says where did you go to nursing school guantanamo (laughs) and this is why i think that comment stood the test of time because i did not know we were talking about guantanamo bay in 1993 no i didn't either yeah and it's a good thing though mary in 2008 we all went to the polls you know we stood in those long lines and we elected Barack Obama, who promised to uh, shut that down in the first year of his presidency. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I don't know if our new listeners still know what Guantanamo Bay is. I'm sure I haven't checked the news, but I'm sure it's dead and gone now. 
sure oh sure just google it it's fine <laughs> but that's what i thought this is still the test of time even apparently before 9-11 guantanamo bay was a thing and had a reputation for being harsh or borderline torture i guess and that, that was pop culture enough to just be a throwaway line in melrose place that people would know what it meant yeah yeah that caught my attention too when you said that because i I don't remember, I, I was young enough that I don't know that I would have noticed if they were talking about it in whatever year this was, 93? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't remember much. I think that was the year I was born, but the, the storyline <laughs> wraps up. Michael goes in, after coming to terms with his fate and accepting that he's in a wheelchair, he comes out to Colleen and says, you're taking me to Roberts where Jane is staying. um she says no so michael calls a taxi and newfound self-love he says by the way i'm in a chair wheelchair you got a problem with that and i felt like michael that's not the tech to take uh maybe you need to tell them you're in a chair so they send the right car maybe that's the approach to take but sure sure whatever he gets to jane's party and who cares what happened here's what is significant though jane is wearing a dress with ruffles somehow made out of crushed velvet. <laughs> she found a way. I don't know how. I don't either. I I don't know where she got these clothes from. I, I don't want to know. I don't want to get any. Maybe maybe Guantanamo? <laughs> maybe Guantanamo. That's as good a guess as any. <laughs> well, that's my first argument. The enduring legacy of Guantanamo apparently stretches far further back than I would have guessed. What a happy thing for us to have noticed. (laughs) (laughs) You can. Okay. Mary's Uh, punchy. (laughs) Well, it's that crisp October air. You know, it really wakes me up. (laughs) (laughs) Brightens my senses. Uh, Well, I'll, I'll start with one of mine that will build on yours. And I called this Michael wheels in with an homage to Scrooge and he might just have a Merry Christmas after all. Uh, so I won't recap anything, <laughs> but uh, like you said, so in a scene that is inappropriate and uses language that I will not be using, uh, Jane gets home from shopping and Michael has been charged with decorating the Christmas tree and he just wants to complain about where it is because now he can't see the TV, which is, I would also complain if I were him about that. Uh, she's like, well, didn't you put the lights on it? And he says, I can only get them halfway up. And that did make me giggle. Uh, and then he, <laughs> a dwarf tree would have been better, or maybe a blank tree. I'm sorry, I'm not using that word. Maybe they have blank trees, you know, for the hand. Okay, I, I will say it because I, otherwise it wouldn't make no sense. He said gimp trees. I don't think that works. Okay, so I. I don't think it is either. But it, it, listen, <laughs> saying blank implies it's like the one of those late night shows where they randomly bleep things out. <laughs> Oh, I do enjoy when they do that. Uh, anyway, so that's, uh, I would like to point out that during this scene, Michael is like kind of crouched in his wheelchair and he's got his hands clasped like in front of him. And he just reminded me of Columbo. I don't know why. The way he's talking is a little weird. <laughs> it was very strange. Uh, Jane asked, so what do you want me to, I can't do anything about a lot of this. And and uh, she's like, well, the only person who can, who can get you out of this wheelchair, Michael, is you. you. You have to follow your doctors and your therapist's advice. And he's like, it's all lies, and I'll never get out of this chair. And then, like you said, Colleen, who played the lady on Passions, who I really like, shows up as the nurse. 
Uh, and she is immediately not putting up with Michael's shit. She's not really mean to him, I don't think, but she's just like, no, I'm not, no, like, I'm not doing what you say. You're wrong about that. Uh, and Jane leaves to go spend time at Robert's, and he tries, Michael tries to fire her, and she's like, I, he's like, don't you have something better to do at Christmas? And she goes, I get double time around the holidays. <laughs> uh, I like, I really like this actress. I like the way she played this. Um, later, we see him telling her, well, there's nothing wrong with my attitude. <laughs> she points out, you're lashing out at everybody all around you. You're not the first person who's ever been handicapped. And he feels away, and he's pouting. And he tells her to go to hell, <laughs> like he always does. And then he kind of turns and he says he's sorry. He says, you know, I am scared. Maybe I'll never walk again. And maybe I'll never be able to be a doctor again. And, quote, maybe this is it. Maybe it's this chair. Maybe I think about myself too much and not enough about other people and what I've done to other people. And then he looks out the window and he sees the gang hauling in a Christmas tree for the Christmas party. And Colleen's like, well, why don't you go out and hang out with your friends? And he says, they don't like me anymore. And she's like, well, that's too bad because they look like nice people. Later that night, like you said, he... Tells Colleen, I want to go to the Christmas party over at Robert's. And I did like, he rolled out all dressed up like in a suit. Like he looked really good. And she was like, no, I'm not. And then like you said, he calls a cab and he says, this might turn out to be a Merry Christmas after all. He shows up at the party. And like you said, Jane intercepts him down by the street. And then Robert comes and Robert's like, we don't want to hear any of this. Every time we plan something, this smart ass steps, shows up and ruins it. And the smart ass steps in to ruin it. And Michael replies, I think that would be wheels in. Which was a funny little moment. Uh, that was cute. And then Michael says, he's sorry. He says, I've been a complete bastard or a smart ass, as you put it. You know, I never wanted to end up like this to be a burden to anyone. And I had no right at all to get in the way of your relationship. And Robert's like, fine, go away. And he tries to make Jane go in. But Jane's like, Michael just rolls off down the street. Like his cab has left too. Like, so he doesn't have a ride. And Jane's like, I can't just leave him on the street on Christmas Eve in a wheelchair. Like he has no way to get home. And Robert's yeah. like, don't bother calling me tomorrow and he stops away and but she takes him home and then we see on christmas morning that michael has a gift for jane it's a pair of earrings and she has a gift for him in a little box and he goes well at least they're not skis uh which was also funny uh he's in my sweater that jane got him as robert comes and knocks on the door and of course they make up and he has a fancier present for jane it's this ugly gaudy necklace and then michael sits and watches this and he looks kind of sad and I want to say this was not super trashy or soapy per se, but it was kind of cheesy in how obvious it was a ripoff of the Scrooge story. Uh, but I will give the show credit because I didn't feel like they pushed Michael's little redemption arc too far into a place where it didn't seem like really him anymore. Um, I still think it kind of stretched credibility that he would go and apologize to Robert and Jane because he clearly hates Robert. But uh it was a nice little arc. Uh, and I like that we already basically know none of this will last probably into the next episode. None of this personal growth will continue. But it was a nice little Christmas storyline for Michael, even if it was a little cheesy. I thought they tried to take the entire journey someone goes through when they find themselves handicapped through an accident, um, which I think takes place over years and lots of therapy right to get to acceptance and they just tried to cram it into half an episode <laughs> they really did they really did <laughs> so, i don't know so, so it's a quick fix of high arts is what i would say which 
if you if you take high art at too fast a speed, it can look like a soap. Sure, sure. That's a fine interpretation. <laughs> I liked this little story. I wasn't mad at this one. This one I was like they're handling this well enough. I think uh Michael is being played very well right now in terms of his uh there's just something about was it Thomas Calabro? He is so good at playing like Michael is such a bastard, but then he can take it and turn it and you and you feel sorry for him because it's like his situation really does suck. He's stuck in a wheelchair and he's divorced. His uh most recent fiance has apparently died and things aren't great for him right now and i do feel sorry for him but he's still an asshole <laughs> you know what don't, don't feel sorry for him he's got sydney she's waiting she's ready <laughs> oh she's got her own problems right now you you know who else has their own who joe beth reynolds <laughs> i will oh, remind my. you of the quote of Joe Beth Reynolds from this particular episode that said she was talking to Allison. We should do something decadent and flattening. No, fattening. Why do I keep saying that? <laughs> Drown our sorrows in eggnog. That's her idea. Mm -hmm. Now, eggnog, of course, is going to remind her of Jake because, as you know, she loves his nog. <laughs> oh, Jake's naughty nog. I forgot about that. <laughs> I had to bring it back. You know, I'm I'm drinking eggnog right here during Christmas. Oh, mm. well, you may as well start making it now because it's fall. Is that... It is so fall. The leaves are coming. Is that little? Listen. Aren't they going? <laughs> so, so Joe and Allison are bonding because they're both going through a breakup. How Joe is going through a breakup. They seem to have forgotten the, the feud they had over Steve. And Joe's now back to mourning her relationship with Jake. It, it was a weird thing to get these two together hanging out. Yeah, you know, I noticed that too, because like literally, what was it, three episodes ago where Allison was mm -hmm. flirting with Steve and they had a fight and now it's like, let's spend Christmas together. Yeah, so whatever. So, but, they, but they're hanging out together. There's this beautiful scene. It is just wonderful. Um, you could see it coming a mile away. You've got Billy and Jake walking down one aisle of the um, Christmas tree yard on, I believe, Christmas Eve? I guess, I assume. It's real close to Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's Christmas Eve, yeah, because Billy and Jake are there getting it for Nikki, who had a last-minute decision to do it. Either way, the yard's full, even though Christmas is here. Billy and Jake are walking down one aisle talking about women. Joe and Allison are walking down the other aisle talking about men, right? And they're having these dueling conversations and they both come to opposite sides of the same big tree. Jake and Billy are tugging in one way and Allison and Joe are tugging the other and then they start yelling at each other without apparently recognizing each other's voices. <laughs> it was wonderful. I want, you know what I want in my life, Mary? Mm -hmm. For a scene, of, for something of that um, simplistic chaos to happen in my life. Like, <laughs> where you realize, like, oh my gosh, we're all bringing this tree back together anyway. <laughs> anyway. 
Allison and Steve interference because Allison wants Billy back. She's realized that she doesn't want Steve. Joe apparently is not mad that Allison ruined her potential relationship with Steve in order to decide that she didn't want a relationship with Steve. And instead, Joe is still <laughs> mad again about Jake. And she says, we should drown our sorrows in eggnog. And here's why I think this is high art for the generations. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This is about, and I'm sorry to Rhonda, real Rhonda, the standard American diet and how bad it is and how it is not about eating or nutrition. And it's about feelings and emotions and status. And it is just, it just drives me nuts. Can I tell you a story about my nephew? Yes, please. Yeah. This will, this will tell you. This is not the nephew that has, has guested. But I was, uh, we were in a two-hour car ride and that overlapped with a lunch hour. This okay. is just this weekend. Just this weekend. So here in October. And he said, hey, I'm not hungry, but can we stop for lunch? <laughs> and he was genuinely serious about both of those things. And for him, it's, he's got ser- sincere fear of missing out for reasons that go to his childhood. But um, that's what Joe and Allison reminded me of. Is they were like, what should we do? Let's not talk about anything we're actually going to do. Let's talk about what we're going to eat or drink. <laughs> Give me something. And I thought Melrose Place was talking again, trying to say this time a little more subtly that America is a cultural and social rot. All people do is go to the gym and the mall and the gym and the mall, all just waiting for their next chance to hoot and holler during the. Well, I like the story about your nephew. I think we've all been there. <laughs> I'm not hungry, but can we stop for lunch? And I said, you, and "This is this is where I'm the weird one in my family, right?" Uh-huh. Yeah, this is where. Because I, I say, you know, you shouldn't eat if you're not hungry, <laughs> which is not the American way. No, it's also not always true. <laughs> It's generally good advice, but sometimes if someone, let's say, is uh, having some sort of depression state, they might continue to not eat for a while because they tell themselves they're not hungry. But they'll get hungry. They'll get hungry. I mean, most people do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it just, it it (laughs) really, in the same vein of like, get a tub of ice cream because you're sad or whatever, is not a good idea. Is not the way we've all done it for sure. Uh, I'm going to have ice cream during the second half of this recording. Which, by the way, Mary, <laughs> when I listen, it's always clear to me when I'm working out the ice cream because <laughs> <laughs> it's so obvious in my voice. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, that Billy's cool. There's a clinking right. of a spoon against a. <laughs> Mary, I think we need to take uh-huh. a break so uh, you can get ready for your two arguments and um, I can start thawing my ice cream. Yeah, you better get that ready. It, it, it'll take longer to thaw now that it's fall and it's cooler out. Right. <laughs> there is no better time than today to begin investing in your future. 
in your future success. If you want to meet the goals in your life, you've got to start building on your work today to get there till tomorrow. That's why I am so pleased to announce this week's sponsor, Guantanamo University, with their new bachelor's degree in nursing program available online. Oh my God. <laughs> Guantanamo University is so pleased to bring their special brand of education to the nursing field. As you know, Mary, there had been a nursing, nursing shortage before COVID Tina came in. Yes, it's really a problem. It's only gotten worse. And mm. you know what that means? Opportunity for you. <laughs> or whoever's brave enough to step into this. You come to Guantanamo University, again, available entirely online. Uh, we do not recommend setting foot on our campus. <laughs> We're going to give you all of the skills you need to get that first nursing job. You won't need another one. Don't ask why. <laughs> Oh, God. But think of it, Mary. If someone wants to become a nurse, this is the best place to go. Imagine the skills you're going to pick up from Guantanamo University. Relative to other universities or colleges or degree mills or whatever, when you need to learn how to tap a vein, <laughs> where better than Guantanamo <laughs> University, where we've been tapping veins for recreation <laughs> for years longer than you would have guessed <laughs> yeah it sounds like it yeah you know and tapping the vein that's just one of the skills nurses need oh what are some of the others well sometimes they're they're less medical or less scientific maybe your patient just needs a drink of water oh sure people get thirsty People get so thirsty. And there's a couple different ways to go about bringing them water. Some places would say bring them ice chips and let the ice melt in their mouth to kind of control the intake of water so it's not too much at one time. Mm -hmm. Others would say get them a, a glass or a, a plastic cup because we, we dispose of everything in hospitals of room temperature water mm -hmm. to ease digestion. Ah, yes, yes. At Guantanamo University, we say, tie those bitches upside down, wrap a towel around their head, and just dump a pitcher of water on their face until they tell you what they know. <laughs> it's, the, it's exactly what Florence Nightingale envisioned, you know? Yeah. You know, nurses are well known for the fact that they just go up and down the halls checking on vitals. Yeah, yeah, it's very important work. Yeah, but it's incomplete, Mary. At Guantanamo University, we're going to teach you not just how to check the vitals, but end the vitals. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, this sounds very innovative. So innovative. And when you need to draw blood. <laughs> like you do. Like you do. There's, there's the, the classics approach of put a needle in the arm and take out just as much as you need. But that is not the only approach, Mary. Oh, boy. <laughs> what about bricks, rocks, shards of glass, knives, swords? So many ways to get that blood. <laughs> so, so you can come to Guantanamo University online only, where Nurse Colleen will teach you everything she knows. And within a couple months, we'll give you a certificate of authenticity. <laughs> They're easy to come by. <laughs> Just Google it. It's fine. Yeah. Wow. 
well, what a tremendous opportunity here for a lot of our listeners who are in different career changes or exploring mm-hmm. options. Oh, this program is perfect for midlife career changers. Yeah. And it's, the, you know, you really can't downplay the convenience of working for your degree from home on your own time and not mm-hmm. to move to Guantanamo Bay to get your degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, do not go to the campus. No, no, don't. Don't do it. No, they, they, it's not going to go well. No, but you can take the courses online. Nurse Colleen will tell you what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and by the end of it, you will be tapping veins. You'll be delivering water, ending vitals, drawing blood like a champ. Wow. Well, what a, what a wonderful age we live in where just anyone who wants to can get access to this great medical training online from such a leader in healthcare as Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. Like, when I think... Truth be told, I do, I do believe they have universal healthcare and we don't, Mary. God. I mean, everybody does. We're like... <laughs> I, I, the one thing I'll say, I sure hope this ad does doesn't sound like I'm glorifying torture or violence because I'm very opposed. Oh, it's good you clarified that just in case people wonder. Um, do they have a website or anything I can check out to learn more or maybe fill out an application or get my... Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so they, they shut down Guantanamo.edu. <laughs> well, at least something at Guantanamo got shut down. So, <laughs> yeah, it was the one thing Obama was able to pull off. But what... If you want more information, I recommend going to rnc.com. Oh, it's a shortcut. <laughs> well, that's or or just wander Wyoming until you find a Cheney. <laughs> They'll tell you all about it. And we are back for the second half of season two, episode fifteen of the Melrose Place Cast. I am here under the mistletoe with Mary. I'm Tej. I'm Mary. This is awkward. <laughs> this is real awkward. Uh, hashtag wrong gender. Hashtag wrong gender. Well, Mary, would you like to kick us off with uh, your best effort to argue that this Christmas special of Melrose Place uh, was a trashy soap opera? I managed to find one. <laughs> uh, building off of your last point, I called this one, if only Christmas trees were women, then the Melrose men could date them. (laughs) (laughs) So we're at the Christmas tree lot. And this is one of the cheesiest things I've ever seen. Uh, Jake and Billy are there getting a tree for the party that Matt is putting together for little baby Doubtfire. And Billy's like, I'll do anything to avoid the building right now. And Allison and Jake feels the same way because he's trying to get away from Amanda. Meanwhile, in another aisle of what is clearly the same Christmas tree lot uh Joe and Allison are walking around and Joe is muttering about how they should put sizes on trees like dresses and back in their aisle of oh oh does that mean the more expensive uh trees get falsely labeled a lower size (laughs) because that is what the pre-made fashion industry does which is more expensive stores a size eight is labeled a size six to make you feel better it's bullshit. It's another example of classism in America. And I'm so glad you brought this up, Mary, because it really shows this is what Melrose Place is doing. Just the inequities in our society, making it high art for the generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm 
Uh, so meanwhile, back in their aisle, Jake is scolding Billy for acting like an idiot about not getting back together with Allison. J- Jake's like, it's too good of a thing to blow off. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's really not. Billy's like, well, you blew off Joe. And Jake's like, it's not the same thing. We were doomed from the start. I'm like, were, were you? I don't know. Uh, we see Joe and Allison find the tree. It's a perfect tree. And then they're talking about how great the tree is. And then the camera pans to the left. And on the other side of the tree, oh my God, what a coincidence. I don't know if you'll see this coming. It's Billy and Jake. And Jake, what? Jake says of the tree, it's a nice shape. It's a good size. Excellent needles. And Billy replies, if it were a woman, we could date it. <laughs> what? Oh my God. I, I didn't pick that up at all, Mary. Yeah. Well, I did. And uh, so, <laughs> anyway. The women on the other side of, again, the same tree, they see it starting to, like, jostle, like someone is grabbing it. And so they grab their side, and they're yelling, hey. And then we see Billy and Jake are grabbing it harder from their side. And then Joe comes around. She's like, excuse me, but we were here. And then she cuts herself off because they see that it's each other, and they all know each other. So this is hilarious. And uh, Joe's like, well, we saw the tree first. And Jake says, well, there's, like, 200 trees, so just go get a different one. And they start bickering. And then Jake finally says, you know, there's a solution uh, and Joe's like, what? Cut it in half. <laughs> Jake's like, no, we get one big tree because the boys wanted to get a tree for the party and the girls just wanted a tree for the apartment. So instead, they'll get one big tree for the courtyard and they can all enjoy it at Little Doubtfire's party. And I wrote, well, Katya's Soviet Russian communist ways have clearly ripped out one. Uh, <laughs> the girls agree, but which tree will they get? And Jake points to this huge ass tree. That is enormous. And Joe said, did anyone bring a forklift? Uh, everything about this scene was staged in for maximum cheese. Maximum, like, cheese on your fish filet level of cheese. Um, it was very obvious. It's disgusting, right? Right? They keep doing it, though. Uh, it was very obvious that they were at the same tree lot. It was obvious they were going to run into each other. And it was obvious this is the first domino falling in the schemes to get all of these people back together sooner or later. Uh, I will say it was fun little comic relief and I appreciated that we were somewhere other than the apartments, shooters or D and D for a while. And the camera work was very well done. I really liked the shot at the end from above when they were looking at the giant tree and the camera was looking down at them from way up high. That was funny. But don't you think it speaks to the American kind of the prototypical American view of nature and the environment being disposable and saying the best tree is the biggest, most massive tree we could possibly have cut from the forest. Don't you think that Melrose Place was really channeling the Lorax here? <laughs> the Lorax? Um, <laughs> I you didn't make that argument five minutes ago when you were talking about the same scene. <laughs> <Going> <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, it was cute. Like I said, I'm not mad at this scene. I, it was it was funny and it was well done, but it was very very cheesy. It just doesn't make sense that suddenly Joe's back to being mad about Jake. No, although she's thawing, you can tell she's thawing during this one. Yeah, and I suppose with Steve, the, the issue with Steve was that she was hung up on Jake, so maybe it's not totally out of the blue, but I don't know. I mean, 
it's weird because they're doing this like, oh, we need to get back together. But Jake is clearly still pining for Amanda. I know, right? It is a little weird. It's, I don't know. I get they move plot lines really fast on here for a bunch of reasons, but there's, and you know, the other weird thing that's going on too is like Amanda and Billy, that whole thing is, why is Amanda hot for Billy again? Like, I don't, oh God, I get them like sleeping together out of convenience, but now she's like, I don't understand. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Well, I would like to take one last swing at finding art in the sea of the Christmas episode of Melrose Plates. Okay. And it has to do with Baby Doubtfire. Oh. So uh, we're talking about Matt, who I noted in this episode, and this is the first time I've noted it, looked incredibly cute. Yeah. Like they have changed his styling, and this is how I remember him. Yeah, they cut his hair, too. It's it's always good when they cut his hair shorter. It looks better. Yeah. I don't know what they did, but I wrote down cute AF. Do you know what that <laughs> means, Mary? The kids taught me. Um, Does it mean cute as... Fuck. Cute as fuck is what Matt looks like. Fun anyway, <laughs> Matt is... we Several scenes with Matt and Nikki. Nikki wants to have a party to make Christmas special, blah, 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 blah. And Matt's doing the fatherly thing and, and kind of finding ways to make this day special for her, right? Mm-hmm. Fine. Um, halfway through, we find out that uh, Katya calls and is going to send for Nikki to come back to Russia. Yes. Now, this bitch, the audacity. <laughs> she <laughs> takes Matt's marriage V-card because... And I quote, <laughs> there is no future for Nikki in Russia. Yeah. Everything in Russia is dark and depressing. And in America, there's joy and color and opportunity for her. So that's why she needs Matt to marry her. Mm-hmm. And how long after that marriage does she just decide, you know what? <laughs> Actually, send my daughter back. Bring back my girl, right? It's... <laughs> made me so angry. She should not have married Matt. Now, I get life changes, blah, 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 whatever. Don't come for me. But it it drove me nuts. However, as we're leading up to that, I got ahead of myself, as I do. Um, <laughs> before Katya called and sent for Nikki, Matt and Nikki had this very touching moment where Nikki said, you're my best friend, Matt. And it was so cute and it was so adorable and it clearly melted Matt's gay heart. And it struck me as high art for the generations um, because it reminded me of my own relationship with my son. And when he would say things like that, back in the day, he doesn't anymore. He doesn't say that anymore, Mary. He's he's 12 now. Uh, um, that's what happens, I think. <laughs> yeah. But but back then, uh, when it when when it would when he would say things like that, it's just so endearing and sweet and it just stops you in your tracks. And I think uh, what the added layer of Matt uh, being of a time where being a gay parent was not uh, an idea for people to consider. So he would have never envisioned a life where he would have this type of relationship with a child. Um, I think, again, I could relate to it. It added a whole nother layer of warmth and happiness. So 
Um, you can bring your cynical negative self to this week. I am here with this heartwarming, touching argument that uh, the relationship between um, a child and their adopted or uh, uh, what's the other, not quite adopted, but just kind of assumed parent um, is wonderful and touching and sweet. Argue against me, Mary. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown. Uh, no, I will agree. I That was one of my favorite parts of this whole episode. I'm surprised you didn't talk about their scene at the airport, which was just lovely. Uh, so I will, because I wrote it down in my notes. So they're at the airport. This is when she's waiting to get on the plane to go to Russia. And so she is so small and very cute. And you just like worry about her because it's like, oh, God, she's going on a plane to Amsterdam and then has to get a connecting flight to like Moscow. Like, this is crazy. But Matt's telling her, like, just, you know, if you get confused or you need anything, you talk to the flight attendant. OK, right away. And there's this very gentle orchestral version of Silent Night playing in the background. And they call her flight to, to get her seated. And so they get up and Matt helps her with her little suitcase. And he's like, you know, we're going to see each other again, Nikki. Like, either Lies. I'm <laughs> Either I'm going to come visit you or you'll come back here. And he says, you know, give my love to your mom. And Nikki's like, no tears, you promised. And he's clearly about to cry, but he's like, nope, no, look at me. I have no tears. And they give each other a big hug and he gives her a big kiss on the forehead. And she grabs her little bag and she goes marching off toward the ramp to get on the plane with the flight attendant. And then she stops and she turns around and she runs back and they so smart they put the camera down at her eye level like a little, little kid eye level so it's like matt's on his knees looking and it's so cute and she runs him she gives him the biggest hug and she goes i love you matt and he just starts bawling and she's crying and she's like i'm never gonna forget you ever and then she kind of lies she kind of sturdies herself up and she turns around and she goes back and gets on the plane and silent night reaches its dramatic conclusion and it, i genuinely teared up because it's just it's such a sweet little moment and She's so damn cute, and she's a cute little kid actor. I felt so bad for Matt, because I agree with what you said. I understand why the story points happened to have them get married and do all that, because it's a soap opera, and that's what they do on these. But it is disappointing. <laughs> it's, it happened so fast, and I guess what I would suspect is the storyline went as far as they could take it, maybe? like Because where were they going to go with them being married outside of maybe more awkward encounters where he tries to go on dates and stuff. But I mean, they already did that once. Where are they going to go with this? Especially in the early nineties, maybe there's story things they could have done now, but I, I don't know. I get it, but I was disappointed it all wrapped up so fast. And I don't think we ever see either of them again. Do we? No, I don't think so. I think they're gone. Oh man. Yeah. Well, so here's the question. Does Matt get a divorce? I was wondering that too. How does that work? Is he, is he permanently married? Because and clearly, like if the INS, they're going to know this was a sham marriage now. Because like, why else would they have? If they really loved each other, like either she would have stayed or he would have gone with them to Moscow. Like, there's so yeah. There's a lot of plot holes here. <laughs> oh well, at least uh, at least we got I, we got the one last scene with Baby Doubtfire. I did, or the, the storyline, remember last week, I was confused why Baby Doubtfire didn't go back initially. Like, what was the, the point? And there's, there's no logical point in the story, right? It doesn't make sense that Katya would have done that. 
but now it at least makes sense that the writers wanted to have this this Christmas moment with Matt. So I, I'll give them that. That's fine. Yeah. Aww. Well, Mary, do you have a final point? And please tell me it's about Billy and Amanda. Oh, it kind of is. <laughs> All right, let's go. I called this one, Billy goes dashing through the apartment complex like a pantsless Christmas elf. <laughs> uh, uh, this episode kind of picks up where last week's ended. And it starts with a slow motion montage of Billy and Amanda doing it. And I will say this week, he's doing a better job of kissing Heather Locklear without looking like a dog trying to like peanut butter. Out. So, <laughs> Mary... It's awful. His mouth is wide open. This is gross. Anyway, uh, so he wakes up the next morning and he has an oh shit look on his face. Like, oh boy, look what I did. Amanda, of course, comes in. She's already up and fully dressed and ready to go to work. And he's super awkward. He's trying to get dressed and get out of her apartment as fast as he can. And she's like, you don't have to be neurotic. Like, we slept together because we were both mad at our exes and we've been together before. So it's not anything to be embarrassed about. He is clearly terribly embarrassed and he's trying to apologize and she's like why you were incredible last night better than ever and i was like oh. lies <laughs> lies there is a knock at the door and amanda goes to answer it and of course it's allison and billy's face is like oh shit and he hides behind the door like right next to the other side of the door which just seems like a dumb place to hide to me uh and he's still, again, only in his boxers, and he sort of has his shirt on, but not all the way. And he's clutching the rest of his clothes to his chest. And Amanda opens the door. I'm like, Amanda, uh, Allison is there complaining that she's behind at her Christmas shopping, and she wants to know if she can have the day off. <laughs> Which is very on brand for Allison. Amanda invites her in. I was like, yes, she did. Look at Jesus. Uh, and so Allison walks in, and thankfully she doesn't turn and look at the other side of the door, because... Uh, she goes into the kitchen and then Billy scoots and runs the hell out of there as fast as he can. And Allison goes in and as Allison's walking in, Amanda is lecturing her and she says, I don't think I have to tell you how the brass hates it when the underlings miss the annual office party. <laughs> Jesus, Amanda. Uh, so we cut to outside and Billy is still half dressed in his boxers and sort of has a shirt on. He goes running down the stairs and there's this jaunty little piano version of Deck the Halls playing. Uh, he gets down the stairs. He gets to Jake's door because, again, he has moved out of Allison's and is technically homeless. He stops to put his pants on. And just then we hear a little voice and little baby Doubtfire walks up and she's got a box of ornaments because she, yeah. she made personalized ornaments for all the neighbors, which is adorable. And Billy is uh, awkwardly friendly because, again, he is an adult man with no pants on. But <laughs> he, he takes his ornament very nice and then she also asked him to take jake's and deliver it because he's going inside and so he does that and little doubtfire goes trotting away and she's all happy billy gets inside he puts on his pants and he rushes to the fridge just as jake comes out of his room and jake's like well where were you all night and billy lies and he's like i was partying at a club and then he says i went home with twins and i'm like come up with a more believable <laughs> billy okay uh jake says next time I get along is my life went to hell yesterday I'm like oh good we're in one of these moods uh, <laughs> what's going on with him and amanda and jake says it hit the fan with her old man and i said that's poetic because it rhymed uh he says art 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 I'm, I'm, I'm ruining my own argument uh he says amanda went ballistic and she's evicting him and he wants out of there anyway and billy's like he you can't get this is a weird connection i didn't fully understand at first 
Billy is yammering about how all the flights out of LA are booked solid because it's Christmas. And I'm like, well, I don't think Jake was planning on flying anywhere, but okay. Love <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, and so Jake, uh, the, the, someone knocks at the door again, and of course it's Allison again, and she's looking for Billy. And Jake lies and says he's not home yet. Uh, she's like, can you please send him to the office Christmas party to come talk to me? Which is weird because he doesn't work there. Uh, and then Billy's after she leaves, Jake tells Billy, you should give her a chance to talk because it's more than Amanda gave me. I'm like, oh, again, he's in this fun little mood. Uh, this whole little two scene thing, or I guess three scenes technically, it was very entertaining. There's a lot of weird sitcom things like Billy trying to make the polite banter to get out of Amanda's apartment. He's hiding behind the door. It's very three's company. Uh, he's scurrying down the stairs and like he's falling out of his shoes and dropping his clothes, running into little baby Doubtfire who just wants to celebrate the magic of Christmas to these weird adults who are all sleeping with each other. And then old stuff was Jake once he gets inside. And I liked, I was impressed with how much little, how many little plot points they crammed into like three minutes of screen time. And I commend them, even though again, it was very cheesy. Okay. Can I tell you... <laughs> <laughs> the moment where Baby Doubtfire gave Billy a pantsless Billy a, a homemade ornament, right? <laughs> it reminded me of my first Christmas in the town that you live in. Oh. And <laughs> I'm curious to see where this is going. Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> um, okay. So my, my ex, who was not my ex at the time, uh, had been going through a craft phase. And made some artsy ornaments that they thought maybe they could sell at a craft fair, right? Mm-hmm. So they wrote one for every member of my staff. <laughs> and one, one for the the holiday party at my house. What, what, one of the the folks on my team, the short Italian one. Got the ornament and bent down by Logan and said, oh, and is this your artwork, Logan? God. Logan, by the way, it was four. <laughs> and that was the moment my ex realized his uh, dreams of making it big at the craft fair were not going to come together. I was a little disappointed when my office had its holiday party there that you had not made us ornaments, but... I guess it was me. <laughs> I didn't make anybody any goddamn ornaments. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. Um, so, <laughs> Naked Billy running through the complex. You're right. There was so much. It really did, It just in those couple minutes, show how entangled everything had gotten. Because he had to avoid Allison. Because this would definitely ruin that. Jake couldn't see him because that would damage his relationship with Jake. Jake still wants to get with Amanda. Of course, Joe couldn't see him because then she would tell Jake to end his interest in Amanda. And of course, throw in a freaking child who does not belong in Melrose Place just to make things real weird. <laughs> he lives in a one-bedroom apartment. Where is this child sleeping? <laughs> now, Jake's life went to hell yesterday. Uh, but apparently, Billy's mom and sister are now in Denver? I clocked that too because they moved to yeah. the cities last time they moved to minneapolis mm -hmm. yeah dad died mom moves to minneapolis story <laughs> as old as time <laughs> yeah no i noticed that too and i'm like well but, so th then the whole episode is kind of a back and forth amanda makes it clear she she wants billy again she she talked about 
you know, what happened last night, what can happen again. By the way, this is at the D&D Christmas party that Billy is out to see Allison. And Amanda says, I've been thinking a lot about what happened last night, what can happen in the future. Billy turns away from her and walks three feet to Allison, who says, we need to talk in the conference room. <laughs> Billy, Billy shoots Allison down and Amanda, comes, I think it was Amanda, comes in and asks Allison what's wrong. And Allison says, just another Christmas wish up in smoke. <laughs> Allison's best argument for why they should get back together is, but I didn't sleep with Steve. <laughs> Allison, but, my part of that little scene was that Amanda came walking in with two red solo cups, and I don't know why that made me laugh, but I'm like, it's, I know it's an office party, but there's just something about her walking around with these red solo cups full of eggnog that made me laugh. Don't, don't, that's right, because that's how Billy, Billy was talking to Amanda, and Amanda said, I'll go get you some eggnog, you're going to love Jake's nog, and <laughs> so Amanda goes and comes back with eggnog for her and a cup for Billy, sees Allison, who then takes Billy's eggnog, not knowing that Amanda was getting it for Billy. <laughs> oh, it was fun. Okay, so Billy uh, is kind of softening on Allison because Allison is trying to get him to play Santa for baby Doubtfire, and it's bringing back memories from last Christmas, just the same as it is for Joe and Jake, because they, they started dating last Christmas, apparently. And... Billy decides he needs to skip town or he's going to end up back with Allison. That's how I read it. So there was another very, I, I, I almost thought there should have been a copyright infringement suit about this scene. <laughs> Billy running through LAX, but as though he is in Home Alone. It was, it was that they took the Home Alone script running through the airport, Christmas music in the background, desperately <laughs> trying to get to Denver. To see his mother who lives in Minneapolis. <laughs> I loved that scene because anytime Billy is running, I've said this before, he looks like a Muppet. It's like he has no control over his arms or legs and he just flops everywhere. And that song they had in the background, it was like this really poppy version of Deck the Halls again. But yep. it's something from like old time Super Bowl halftime shows in the 80s before they had celebrities do it. They'd have like up with people and like this super incredibly chipper <laughs> singing it was very funny yeah so but billy can't make it to denver even though he's just going up to gate agents saying hey you got a seat to denver can i get on that airplane yeah the <laughs> 90s were wild pleated pants oh yeah crushed there's... velvet ruffles and just no. walk up to an airplane yeah no security at all in this airport this airport at least was better than that one from season one that was like a truck stop <laughs> they yeah. had a parking space but things soften, continue to, to to thaw with Allison because Allison wakes up in the middle of the night to catch Billy in the apartment, hiding presents under the tree. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, and then she then they have a moment where they realize, holy shit, Allison is naked under her pajamas. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know if you caught the line where she they're about to kiss and make up, and she says, you know. I always wanted to kiss Santa Claus. The lap sitting never worked for me. I wrote you. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> uncomfortable. I didn't, I didn't catch that, Mary, but were there any other highlights you noted? There were a couple. Um, I liked when Matt asked Nikki what she wanted for Christmas. And like, she's well, really what I want is to have this party. And he's like, yeah. And then she's the only other thing I miss is snow. I wish more than anything that I could see snow again. 
and that kind of laughs and he's like well we're in southern california but we'll rent white christmas and you can watch the snow on there it's very pretty and i was mad at this because it led me to thinking that somehow there would be a snow machine at the party (laughs) and all i got to see was billy's rusty old grill instead and i was like gosh uh this was, I would like to point out, the second episode in a row where Michael was foiled by a fruit bowl. Uh, last, week, <laughs> last week, he was on the floor trying to get in his wheelchair because he was going to get up and roll over to a fruit bowl on the table. This week, he was trying to get a container of fruit off of the top of the fridge, and it fell all over the kitchen floor, and he got mad. Which I would, too. I don't blame him. Uh, Nikki later gets a package from Katya full of Christmas presents, and there's one for Matt. And she's like, look, she didn't forget you. And I wrote, oh, even the small child sees how Matt is often forgotten on the show. (laughs) Uh, We have not talked about this. I'm a little surprised you didn't bring this up as your high art stuff. We haven't talked about Sydney's storyline at all. I've got Sydney noted as things I noticed. Uh, And I'll talk about the, so she has a quote unquote date on Christmas Eve that Fancy Face has set up. And he is this, (laughs) her name will always be Fancy Face. Uh, and so she, we see her in the hotel room with this older guy and he's kind of, he seems depressed. Like he's drinking and he's not really in the mood. And so he starts asking about her personal life and she immediately, of course, defaults to saying like, well, I'm a design, fashion design student. I'm going to school and you know, all this stuff. And then it pivots. And I thought they did such a nice job because it's so, it's kind of subtle for this, for this show. And she says, you know, it's really exciting to have your whole life in front of you this incredible bright future and all these possibilities, you know, and her smile is getting more and more forced trying to look really happy. And she's like, you just have to pay for it. And her smile goes away. And she's like, I'm going to be really important someday. I really am someday. And she starts crying. And then the date comes over and starts kissing her. And it's like, Oh, this is but I thought Laura Layton acted that really well. I thought it was really, really nicely done. And what pissed me off right after that. So she, goes in her next scene we see her pull up outside of a church she's drawn in because the bells are chiming because it's christmas eve she goes into this church it's almost empty it's very pretty there's christmas music playing um also goes- stolen from home alone straight out of home alone <laughs> you got a real case here building for that uh she goes into a confessional and uh assumes the position and listen, listen. <laughs> those are i don't call those confessional booths that's all i'll say oh all right uh, the priest, you know, they do the spiel. How long has it been since your last confession? And she's like, a long time. She said she's been bad. She's been lying to her family and her sister. She's lying about what she's doing and how she's earning money. She's going to hurt them and she doesn't want to. And she starts crying and she tells the priest she's a prostitute. She's like, I give men sex for money and I use drugs to make it easier. And it's a mess. And I'm ashamed. I'm so ashamed. And she's crying and crying. And the scene just ends. And I'm like, what was the point of this? Like, they should have, why didn't they show the priest's response? Either way, whether the priest was like shaming her or if the priest had said something nice. I'm like, you could have done something with this. It seems stupid to go to all the buildup to have her confess and then there's no end to the scene. It was weird. Because it wasn't about what the priest thought. It was about what Sydney thought. And Sydney realized, I don't want to be doing this. And it took the confessional for her to realize that. I guess. <laughs> uh, I liked that Billy did all of his Christmas shopping at the LA airport. Uh, <laughs> it's I, where you I, get the good deals, Mary. Those great magnets. Uh, I liked that there was this the unexpected callback to his mall Santa job in season one. That was nice. The line when Fancy Face shows, shows up at the very end and Sydney is quitting her work, 
uh, and she has a basket full of Christmas wine, and she says, "All proceeds benefit Planned Parenthood." And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "I think that was a joke." And then the last little scene at the very end. So Allison and Billy have made up because, of course, they have, and they're running out, and they stop under the mistletoe by the mailboxes, which is what the title's referring to. Time out. Who the and fuck put mistletoe there? No, because everybody walks there. You don't know who you're going to run into. You're not going to want to kiss all these weirdos. Uh, anyway, as they're kissing, Amanda comes down her stairs in the background, and she is in all black, which is very festive. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she gets this look on her face, and it's like disappointed and irritated. I said, oh, she's going to grinch him good. She She's going to get back at Allison for this. Oh, boy, is she ever. And really, it's not fair for her to get back at Allison for this, because really, she's not together with Billy. But I look forward to it anyway. Did you have anything else we haven't already covered? I did. A few things. Okay. One, in this episode, Matt looked so cute. <laughs> he did. That's worth, that's worth noting. Mm-hmm. Second, when Billy shows up as Santa, I, I could... I think it was Amanda. I'm not sure who it was, but someone said, ooh, Santa lost weight or something. <laughs> Santa just looked super svelte, and Baby Delphire didn't clock it. And I thought maybe it was because in Russia, Santa doesn't have as much abundance. No, I thought she did say thanks, Billy, when she, got, when she ran up to him, didn't she? Maybe, I don't know. But also, <laughs> I noted that Matt looked just hot. <laughs> and I noted that uh, Matt promised Baby Doubtfire they'll visit. And I was like, yeah, maybe maybe you'll visit with Rhonda at the same time. Oh. Like, you're clearly never going to see this child again. Maybe they'll all get together with Sandy in New York. But he looks adorable. Um, I also noted that Joe wanted to sleep all the way through January 2nd. And I was like, yeah, that's part of becoming an adult, right? You get a week and a half off of work and you're like, nope, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I'm out. I'm just going to go to sleep. And I'm going to dream about how good Matt looked in this episode. (laughs) Visions of sugar plums. I also noted how uh, Amanda said to Jake that the best advice her father ever gave her was don't get involved in gold digging grease monkeys. (laughs) And Jake, that just seemed real brutal. Like Amanda is pushing real hard to get Jake to go away. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It might work. Um, We'll find out next week, maybe. Yeah. You know what else we'll find out next week? Hmm. So again, this week. And then the last thing I noted um, mm-hmm. is just uh, how odd it was that Sydney was able to quit this prostitution ring so easily. Oh, yeah. That seemed really realistic and like it'll totally stick, right? <laughs> and with a bonus. <laughs> she got a bonus as well. So um, uh, there was that. That in all of the, just the, the outright lifting from Home Alone, Billy running through the airport, Sydney going to the church, the Silent Night, I think it was, yeah, Silent Night playing by the choir as she came alone into a church. Why are all these churches so full of choirs, but so empty of people on Christmas Eve? <laughs> I don't understand. That's a valid point. <laughs> yeah. And what, what shifts are the priests working in the confessional booth? I don't know. I suppose Christmas is a peak season, right? Because there's a lot of foot traffic. Not know. based on who's inside the church. 
I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to Google this and find out. Barry, I think we should go ahead and take a break all the way until January 2nd. Let's just sleep until then. <laughs> That's music to my ears. Much like that really great music that was playing in the airport when Billy was running like a Muppet. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. This week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is generously supported by the following sponsor. Oh, shit. It's Christmas. <laughs> yes. And you forgot to book a plane ticket ahead of time. Oh, <laughs> It looks like you probably aren't going to be able to make it through the airport and your Muppet run fast enough to get to that standby seat to Denver. So you're stuck spending Christmas with your local elves. Double, oh shit, you forgot to go Christmas shopping. You really gone and stepped in the old reindeer scat this time, haven't you? <laughs> or have you? <laughs> Drifty shoppers know you can't beat the deals at the airport. That's right. Before you run out into the parking lot, scoot your little caboose into the airport gift shop, which has all the perfect gifts for all of your friends, loved ones, acquaintances, and frenemies. What can you get for a grease monkey who drives a motorcycle? How about a novelty car license plate holder that says, I love LA all over? What? He doesn't own a car? Never fear. He'll just put a nail on the wall and hang it in his living room. What about your hip photographer friend from New York? Oh man, the store's out of black berets and scars. Oh shoot, they're out of disposable cameras too. Great news, they've got a cooler full of Jake's Naughty Nog. You can get her a carton of that. <laughs> they respect the expiration dates though. You know how they are about that at the airport. Uh-oh, there's a little kid at this holiday party? Oh man, does this airport gift shop have anything appropriate for children? Well, of course they do. What about a magnet in the shape of a palm tree? Or a pen in the shape of a palm tree? Or a tiny stuffed teddy bear wearing a tiny t-shirt with a palm tree on Just watch out for choking hazards. What about your friend who was recently in a terrible car who's now confined to a wheelchair? Well, good news. If you walk over to the back of all of the airport gift shop, they've got one of those novelty long grabber sticks with a mouth that looks like an alligator. You can totally use that to get the fruit ball down from the top of the bridge. <laughs> That's the airport gift shop. Because everyone loves magnets from places they haven't been. <laughs> Mary, how do I get to the airport gift shop if I don't have a ticket? How will I get past security? Well, good news. It's the 1990s and there isn't any. And pretty much anybody can just walk into the airport whenever they want. <laughs> what if I have a box cutter with me? It's fine. They don't care because it's the nineties, and people check. You know what else you could bring to the airport in the nineties? A full bottle of shampoo. <laughs> oh, the good old days. <laughs> you could bring water. Oh my God, not not that fine, inexpensive airport water you can buy. <laughs> okay, so they have gifts for everybody. Everybody. Okay, can I can I throw you some questions? Yeah, of course. Does the airport gift shop have something that I would get for my son in seventh grade, his seventh grade English teacher, who, by the way, complains that he never shuts up? <laughs> you know what sounds perfect for her? I'm assuming it's her, which is sexist. I think a snow globe with a picture of the LeBray tar pits on the inside. 
what teacher doesn't love another tchotchke on their desk? They can't get enough of those. They can't, especially since they've been gone so long from their tchotchkes. Yeah, I bet some of them took their tchotchkes home. Okay, another question. Does the airport gift shop have something for my grandmother, who is 88 and regularly tells us she doesn't want any more things? Because she just is, when she gets something, says, who should I give this to when, you know? (laughs) Yes, they have the perfect gift for her, a mug that says world's greatest grandma. (laughs) People never have a mug. Everyone walks around the house God, if only I had more mugs, nobody ever gives me mugs. Okay. What about, okay, this is the last one. Okay. What if I want to send a gift unprompted um, to uh, former President George W. Bush? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, I think former President George W. Bush would really love a bag of saltwater taffy. <laughs> and we have plenty at the airport gift shop. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't, I can't wait to go there. And you, you are assuring me that prices are low at the airport gift shop. Oh, you can't beat it. Yeah. I mean, don't shop around. But once you're in the airport, you can't beat the prices at the airport gift shop. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Once you're in the airport? Yeah. Okay. Because... I've heard otherwise. Rumors suggest that the prices are jacked. The airport gift shop is the lowest priced gift shop in the airport. <laughs> isn't, isn't there a monopoly agreement that there can be no other gift? I'm not aware of that. I'm just involved in the promotion of these fine products and magnets. <laughs> So wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> wait, I told you this, right? So there, it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God, how long? Yeah, and and. Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two-season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Ally McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how, do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. Okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God. 